Now listen, you rich people. To get your attention, this is how James opens up the fifth and final chapter of the book of James. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. I'm uh, Ben Schultz, one of the pastors here at our church, and we are in the middle of a series on the book of James titled, Show Me Your Faith. We've been looking through the whole, the whole book of James, um, and so today we come to the fifth chapter. Now, the book of James, or he's is written by James, one of the leaders of the early church. Um, and he is addressing, he's giving pastoral advice and comfort and care and encouragement to the early church. But this passage here, he begins, Now listen, you rich people. And I believe that this isn't directed directly at the early Christians. This is directed at the wealthy, um, affluent, upper class in their society. And James is, is charging this, these upper-class uh, group with oppressing the poor and abusing their power over the innocent and the weak. And I think this is important for us to note that this is the context in which James is writing his letter. He's writing his letter to the early Christians, and many of those early Christians were poor people in society. They were working-class people. They were Jewish which politically meant they were under the thumb of the Romans. Um, and for those who were believers, many of them were ostracized by the Jewish religion and the Jewish society. So they were sort of on the outskirts or the bottom of the, of the social ladder. And when James wrote this letter, this is uh, shortly after when Jesus was uh, crucified, died, rose again, and ascended. And shortly after that, he writes this letter. And um, it's in this time that the persecution of the church begins. In fact, uh, a few years after this, James himself is actually martyred. But in this time, James is writing to them, um, knowing or maybe being led by the Spirit, to encourage them before this uh, oppression and this persecution comes. So what is James' advice to the poor, the oppressed, the abused, the persecuted church? What's his advice? Don't worry. Be happy. Actually, what James said was, consider it pure joy when you face trials. You're being persecuted. You're being oppressed. You're being taken advantage of. Consider yourself lucky. Consider yourself to be fortunate because those trials will produce perseverance and godly character in you. Now, I don't think anyone in this room this morning can, um, you know, is facing trials quite like the early church faced, isn't facing martyrdom or persecution or oppression in the same way. But um, I would imagine you might be able to relate to some of the feelings that, that they would have felt. They lived in a society where those who were in power and those who had wealth uh, oppressed the people who, were, uh, who did not. And maybe you felt some of that. Maybe you're in a place in life where um, you don't have as much wealth, you don't have as much, you know, political power, friends in high places, as they say, and so you're working hard, but it's hard to get ahead. It feels like economically, the people who are at the top, the people who have the money, who own the businesses and the real estate, and they have those investments, um, who have a lot of power and control, can choose what they want to do. But those of us who are on the bottom, we keep working. And you can kind of feel like the cards are stacked against you. You can kind of feel like you take one step forward and you take two steps back. You finally get a raise at work, 
and then your heating bill goes up. You finally fix your car, and then hit your, lawn, your uh, washing machine breaks. So if it's one thing, it's not the other. If you're feeling some of that, James has got advice to you. Be joyful. Consider yourself lucky that life is hard, because these trials are producing perseverance in you. Now, let's be honest. If you're in that place, if you're feeling some of that, and a friend comes up to you and says, ah, be joyful about it. It's not the advice you want in the moment, right? Even if they're right, you're kind of like, shut up and leave me alone. Like, I don't want to hear that right now. And so if you're facing trial, you don't want James to come along and say, it's for the best. And so that can be a little frustrating to hear. But here in James 5, the final page of his letter, we get um, some very helpful practical advice uh, what to do when you're in those moments, when you're in those trials, when you're faced with those frustrations and those difficulties and those even painful loss at times. So we're going to read James chapter 5. Um, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. There are Bibles uh, in the chairs in front of you if you want to read along uh, with us. So I'm going to read James 5, and we're going to discuss his advice to us uh, in those trials. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that's coming on you. He doesn't hold anything back, does he? Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and your silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages that you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. And then he, he sort of turns his attention to the church and he says, so be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged, and the judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, in the, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Maybe you've heard of Job's perseverance, and you saw what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Amen. Above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being just like we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. My brothers and sisters, if any of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. 
Whoever turns a sinner from an error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Lord, we thank you for this word, and, and we just invite you now to come and to teach us. Pray you'd give us open ears and open hearts to hear what you have to say, not just to hear what uh, James wrote, but to hear what your Holy Spirit wants to say to our hearts here and now. We welcome it. In your name we pray. Amen. So I told you James was going to give us some practical advice on how we face trials. And I love the way James does it. He makes it pretty simple, um, kind of idiot-proof, if you will. He says, if you look at verse 13, that's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start here. He says, is there anyone in trouble? Let them pray. Is there anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. So to me, this is pretty straightforward, and here's how I'm going to put it. Prayer is always the right answer. Prayer is always the right answer. If you're not sure what to do, you're not sure what to say, you're not sure how to respond, it's easy. Prayer is the right answer. If you're in trouble, ask God for help. If things are going well, then thank him for his blessing. No matter what problem you're facing, situation you're in, how you might be feeling about it, prayer is always the right response. You know what they say, when in doubt, pray it out. They don't actually say that, but they could though. Last year, um, I took a first aid training course. And um, it was one of those ones you do, I don't know if anyone's done this kind of thing before, uh, you do it at home, uh, online, you have some videos you watch, and then after each video, you, you answer some multiple choice questions to see if you were paying attention or not. Um, and so I had to take this, this first aid training course, and what I really quickly figured out uh, is that for, in medical emergencies, for someone who is not medically trained, first aid response, the basic thing is just call 911. Stop the bleeding and call 911. And they try to trip you up with answers that you think are right, things that will be like, find some supplies and sew it up yourself. That's wrong. Help the person walk it off. They're probably okay. That's not right either. Just stop the bleeding and call 911. So I would just, you know, watch the video. But at the end, it was easy because I would just look for the answer that included the phrase, just call 911. And then, of course, if you're not sure does this injury warrant uh, 911, you can't go wrong. So if you're not sure, just call 911. And so that made it easy for me because I always knew what the right response was. In the same way, I feel like prayer is kind of the same thing. It's your go-to response. If you're not sure, prayer is always the right answer. Are you feeling back pain? Then pray and ask the Lord for healing. Are you, how many of you guys are grateful for the time spent with family this week? Take a moment and thank the Lord for that. Are some of you feeling frustrated about time you spent with family this week? Ask the Lord to give you patience with that. Are you looking forward to going back to work? Are you dreading going back to work? Whatever the situation might be, prayer is the right answer. And I think sometimes we fall in the trap, even though we know better, but we fall in the trap of thinking that prayer is for Sunday morning here at church. Prayer is our church thing that we do. Or maybe right before we eat a meal at dinner time, that's prayer time. Or maybe prayer is for when you can't fall asleep at night and you need to help yourself fall asleep. But if we are truly followers of Jesus, if he is really the Lord over our life, if he is really the Lord over every moment of our life, then we should bring him 
into every moment. We should bring him into every situation. We should bring him into every experience. Prayer is how we invite Jesus into our lives every day. Now, I know we all live very, very busy lives. You know, we don't have time to be stopping for prayer all the time, right? I got lots to do. I don't have time for prayer. I have time to check Facebook. I have time to watch a YouTube video. I have time to read the news. I have time to complain about my boss to a coworker. I have time to complain to my neighbor. But I don't have enough time for prayer. Hopefully you're picking up on the sarcasm here. I think we all have enough time because we make time for the things that really matter. If you have enough time to complain, you have enough time to pray. If you have enough time to worry about it, you have enough time to pray about it. If you have enough time to post about it online, you have enough time to pray. And I think part of the problem here also, I know I'm guilty of, is that we overcomplicate prayer. We feel like, well, if I'm going to pray about it, then I need a quiet moment. I need a quiet space. Maybe I need to kneel down, bow my head, uh, fold my hands, and, and you know, I need to think about what I'm going to say to the Lord. But I think that the best prayers are short. The best prayers are right to the point. I got to imagine God's pretty busy. He probably appreciates it when it's, you know, let me know. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I do think the best prayers are short, like, dear God, help my car start this morning. Or thank you, God, for coffee. That's one of my favorite prayers right there. Or, dear Jesus, how am I going to deal with this person? And I think in those moments, you're very quickly saying, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And I want to bring Jesus into this experience. I want to bring him in to this moment. So whatever situation you're in, prayer is always the right answer. This is especially true, though, if you're facing a difficult situation. If you're facing sickness, if you're facing financial troubles, if you're facing um, some kind of loss, pain, difficulty, this is especially true. So look for a second. We looked at verse 13. Move on to verse 14 and 15 here. It says, Is there anyone among you who is sick? Let him call for the elders of church and let them pray over him, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So as I look at this verse, the thing that uh, stands out to me is this. Prayer requires admitting a need. It's kind of the first step is you're admitting, I have a need and I need help. And I think this is true of all prayer. Even when, you know, if we pray like, dear Lord, uh, I'm sick, help me feel better. You're recognizing I need someone to help me with this. But even if it's a simple prayer like, thank you for this beautiful day, you're acknowledging I have no power to make this day good, to make this day beautiful. You're the only one who can do that. When you say thank you, Lord, for this food that we're about to eat, you're acknowledging all food ultimately comes from him. All provision comes from him. And so you're admitting that you have a need. That's easier for some of us than for others. And what James even says in this verse, he says even more than admitting it to God, you're admitting it to other people, to your brothers and sisters, and you're asking them to pray for you. You're admitting to others, I have a need that I can't fix myself. I have a problem I can't deal with myself, and I need, I need help. Um, there's something powerful when uh, your brothers and your sisters and other believers join with you in prayer. 
And just as a side note, I want to mention here that uh, our church has an app. It's called FLC Warsaw. It's in the App Store. Um, and in the app, there's a message group for prayer needs. And you can, anyone is welcome to download the app, uh, join the, mess, the prayer group. And if you have a prayer need, if you're going through something, you can post right there, and people in the church will begin to pray for you. And we've already seen that happening, and it's a really encouraging thing to see the body uh, caring for each other and praying for each other. So uh, I encourage you, if you don't already, to get download the app uh, and take advantage of that. Now, like I said, admitting that you have a need, that's easy for some people, but that's a little harder for some of us. Some of us are a little more independent-minded, maybe. Uh, we want to think of ourselves as tough, smart, strong. I can deal with this. I can handle this. I don't need anyone's help. Friends are good, and I'll call my friends if I need, but right now, I got this. I don't know if anyone else, you don't have to raise your hands, but anyone else feel that, like, I can take care of things. I will be honest, I'll admit, I struggle to admit when I'm sick. I have a hard time admitting when I'm sick. Um, my wife will tell you that this, this is true. Um, you know, if I am coughing or, or sneezing or, you know, not feeling well, I'm like, no, <clears throat> I'm fine, I'm good, it's just allergies, I'll drink some orange juice and I'll be, I'll be good to go. And just try to tough it out. A couple of years ago, um, I had COVID, I'll admit it, and I was sick. I hate to admit it, but I was, I was sick. Uh, and I was sick for about a week. And the worst part about being that that particular week was I had just terrible headache. It's like there were a few other symptoms, but they weren't too bad. The worst thing was this headache that was just like overwhelming, uh, you know, constant pounding, and um, just always feeling like run down and tired. And, uh, you know, I, but I kept thinking, you know what, I'm just going to sleep, take a nap, and I'll wake up and I'll feel better. I can, I can do this. I can beat this. I don't need help. But um, after about a week at my wife's uh, gentle urging, I eventually went to the ER, and uh, I was surprised what they told me. They said, oh, you have a fever. And I was like, no, I don't. I did the test. I did the fever test. I'm good. And they were like, no. You have a low-grade fever. You've probably had a fever all week. You need to take some, some simple Tylenol to reduce your fever, and that will help a lot. So I was like, all right, fine. I guess I'm sick. Um, I took some Tylenol, and would you know, a few hours later, I felt much better. And I kind of wish I had admitted that I was sick and that I needed to see a doctor uh, you know, earlier in the week. Because some of us, it's, for some reason, it's hard for us to admit that. Um, but I think that's one of, the, one of the most important parts of prayer is the recognition that this situation is too big for me to handle. That can be hard for us, but we need, sometimes we need to recognize, I need somebody bigger, somebody stronger to step in here. Who you turn to reveals who you trust. Who you turn to first reveals who you really trust. And we say that we believe in God. We say that we trust him. But then when we're sick, we turn to other things. Um, or when we're in trouble, we turn to other things. We find other ways to find answers or ignore our problems. And you see who you really trust when you see who you turn to. I have three kids who I love and I, I assume love me. But um, here's the thing, is when they get sick, or they get hurt, they don't turn to me. They turn to their mom. And we see who they really trust to care for them. And I don't know why, because I took a first aid class. I know what to do in these <laughs> emergencies. But you can see who they really trust. 
Now, the challenging part of verse 14 as I read it, I can't get away from this, this challenging thing, is that it says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. It seems to promise healing. It seems like a guarantee for healing. If you say a prayer in faith, you really believe it, you really mean it, then the sick person will be made well. And that's hard to get away from because I don't know that, you know, it's hard to say, do I, does that really feel true to me? It reminds me of something that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. These verses seem pretty clear that if you ask God for something, he's going to give it. But we all know, I mean, I'm sure we all know we've asked God for things and haven't gotten them. We've, we know people who have prayed to feel better and didn't feel better right away. So maybe still haven't felt, felt better. And that doesn't make sense. And it's like, that's not what you said. And why is this? I honestly don't know why God chooses to heal one person or not another. Or why he might choose to take a long time healing somebody. Uh, I don't really know that. But as I thought about it and I prayed about it, I came to this thought. Is that we are putting our, when we pray, we're putting our faith in God. We're not putting our faith in in the guarantee of a healing, we're putting our faith in God. We put our trust in a God who is wiser than we are. We put our trust in a God who is better, who is smarter, who is stronger than we are. And if in his wisdom and in his goodness, he decides to take longer to heal us or to heal us at a different way than we would expect, we've got to trust that he knows what is right. It's not our job to decide how God should handle the situation. It's our job to bring the situation to him. When you pray, you're making a statement that you're saying, God is the one that I trust to help me with this. God is the one that I help trust to deal with this. James used the expression, a prayer offered in faith. And I think this is good. He's emphasizing the need for faith. It's not just like if you say these words, if you say this magical phrase, this little set of words here, then you'll get what you want. Because prayer is not a magic set of words. Prayer is turning your heart to God. It's admitting you cannot fix this problem yourself, that you need him to help. And I actually want to take a moment um, right now and just respond to what James has said here. He said, if you are sick, then ask the church to pray for you. Um, and so I just want to take a moment and, and ask, is there anyone in this room who is dealing with a physical issue or something where they need healing. Um, and we could just take a moment before we move on with the sermon, take a moment and pray for you. So uh, if you would like, if anyone in this room would like prayer, I ask you just raise your hand um, and those around you can take a moment quickly to pray for you. So if you need prayer, raise your hand quickly. Um, if you wouldn't mind, if you not have your hand raised, find someone whose hand is raised, um, ask them how you can pray for them. And uh, we'll quickly take a moment and pray for those who have their hands raised.
Lord, I just want to pray healing over everyone in this place who uh, has their hands raised, who asked for healing. I pray right now uh, you would move in this place, that today would be a day of healing and freedom and breakthrough. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So I've said that prayer is always the right answer. And the important part of prayer is admitting to others that we have a need. And when you look at it this way, I suggest that prayer is essential to the Christian life. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just a thing for pastors um, or, you know, saints. Prayer is an essential part of the Christian life. So I want to look at verse 16, um, where James tells us, he goes on and he says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I really appreciate the way that uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrases this verse in the Message Bible. He puts it this way. He says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you can live together whole and healed. Make this your common practice. This isn't just what you do when you have a need, when you're facing something challenging, when you have a sickness. Make this your common practice to share your needs with each other and to pray for each other that you may be healed. And if prayer is our way of inviting God into our situation, and that brings us healing and wholeness, then we ought to do that all the time. If we truly have faith, if we truly believe that God hears our prayers and that God is good and that God moves on our behalf, then we ought to pray about everything. Prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer is more than just a ritual or a spiritual practice. It's a lifestyle. How many of you have a smartphone? And how many of you have your smartphone with you right now? Um, this is not true for everybody, but I would say that for most of us, a smartphone is more than just a communication device. A smartphone is a lifestyle because you carry your smartphone with you all the time because it's more than just a way to make a phone call. It's your connection to the internet. It's your connection to everything. It's your way to communicate all the time with anyone. It's your way, it's your connection to any kind of entertainment or news or updates, it, it goes with us and it keeps us connected all the time. Whether that's good or bad, that's for another sermon. But the point is that we value that and it becomes more than just a tool that I pick up once in a while. It becomes a part of my daily routine, part of my daily life. And I suggest that prayer ought to be the same way. Prayer is not just a, well, I know how to do it and if I have a big problem, I know what I'm going to do. Prayer is something we carry with us all the time every day, all day long. It becomes a lifestyle. In every situation, I'm offering a prayer to God, and in the same way, inviting him into those situations. So I want to end today, I want to challenge you to make prayer more a part of your daily lifestyle. Uh, and in fact, I have two very specific challenges that I want to give you for this week. I want to challenge you this week to, number one, ask for prayer, to share a need with somebody else, with another believer, and ask them to pray for you. And maybe that is a sickness thing, maybe it's a financial thing, maybe it's a relational thing, um, but share a need with somebody else. And I think that that practice um, that, of 
admitting that we need help, admitting that we need prayer, that can be really healthy for us. So I, that's the first challenge. The second challenge is the flip side of that is to offer to pray for somebody else. Um, I don't know how many times I've been guilty of somebody says, oh, I'm not feeling well, and I say, all right, well, hope you feel better. And I don't know why I don't take the moment to say, can I pray for you to feel better? I believe God heals, and I want to take that time to ask him to heal. So that's my second challenge, is offer to pray for somebody this week. Um, and it could be that the person is responding to this message, and they're, at, and they're asking for prayer, and then you're offering to pray for them. That would work really well. Um, but it might be somebody who is not here. Maybe it's a neighbor or a family member who shares about something in their life. Take that opportunity to pray for them and make that more a part of your lifestyle. Amen? Um, I'm going to close with a quick word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for uh, what we've learned today, um, and we ask you to help us to make this more part uh, of our daily life, more of our lifestyle. We put our faith in you. um, Help us to turn to you in prayer in every moment. I do pray again, blessing for those who are in a place of needing healing, even those who are not with us this morning um, because of sickness or illness. um, Pray your blessing of healing on them. We thank you that you're a good, loving, caring God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.